God. It's good to rejoice with one another as well. Now, Michael is going to bring the word, the sermon, the message, in about one minute, but we're going to take what we call 60 seconds of love, where you can go up and show a bit of kindness to someone. If you're new here, please don't be under any pressure. But let, maybe you can go up to someone you haven't said hello to, smile at them, shake their hands, give them a hug, give them a fist pump, whatever works. 60 seconds of love and then Michael is bringing the word. We're starting it now, Kerry! our future 
in his hands. Amen? Amen. And in this story today, I want to look at Mary. I want to look at her circumstances. So what we're going to see here is, and you're very familiar with this story. If you're familiar with the Christmas story at all, you know that the angel comes and he visits this girl, right? So she's single. She's poor. She's, so she's poor. She's single. She's uh, really a nobody. She's unattached. She's of very little consequence in society because a woman... Uh, of this age who didn't have a husband and didn't have children was really considered a very little consequence. And it's to this person to whom the angel comes and makes his announcement. And some of the things he says in his announcement to her, actually to her ears, must have been pretty shocking. Not only the big news, but maybe some of the other stuff. So I'm going oh, to go straight into it if you're happy with that. We're going to look at Luke's Gospel chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. And I'm going to begin reading it. I may pause every now and again to make a small point. I could preach nine sermons out of this. I really could. I could preach ten probably. But I want to try and focus on just a few points, conscious of our time and conscious of your time and the time of you. May God bless us as we read his word. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Pause. Mary's poor. She lives in a small house, in a small village, in the middle of nowhere. She's young. She's unattached. Anybody looking at her life might have thought, I'm not really that favored. My life isn't going that great. I'm not rich and successful, and I'm not powerful, but... You know, you say I'm favored. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now that's a, a great statement, but it also brings a question. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now she's even more confused and even more disturbed. He will be very great, the angel said to him. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. So you're Mary. You're like, what? You suddenly, something happens, an angel appears. We don't know the form of the angel. Not, there's not certain big wings and, 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 and kind of feathers knocking around or beams of light. We don't know how the angel appeared. We know that the angel appeared. And then Mary thinks, wow, that's amazing. But there's one small problem. Mary asked, how can this be? How can it happen? I'm a virgin. Mary knew biology, which is good to know. She knew biology. Everybody knew biology. You know biology. This thing doesn't happen unless somebody actually has sexual relations, has sex with someone, and then you can possibly give birth to a child. And the angel said this. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Before I go further, let me just say this is the first time in the New Testament where it's recorded that the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody and the power of the Most High would overshadow somebody. Do you want to know the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you? Do you want the Holy Spirit to come upon you? If you do, would you raise your hand? Can we pray for a second? Stay where you are. Father in heaven, hear our prayer. 
this coming season, let your Holy Spirit come upon us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Flow through us. Flow in us. Work through us, Lord. For your purposes and your plans, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people say, Amen. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. I mean, that is just, I mean, like, hello. That's just incredible. What's more, the angel says to her, your relative Elizabeth, an old woman, a woman who was probably near her 80s, believe it or not, has become pregnant in her old age. That's not a prophetic word for anybody in their 80s, by the way. Has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to say it one last time. Nothing is impossible with God. Will you say it with me for the crack? Nothing is impossible with God. You have to believe it, brothers and sisters. If he wrote it, if he said it, he can do it. Amen. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. And so when you think about this situation, right, what Mary's being asked to do here is beyond imagination. There is no previous case in history of this happening. This is an earth-shattering moment in the history of the world, but also in the history of Mary. And what she's about to take on is actually a huge risk. This is what she says. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. But I want you to think for a second about all that she was putting on the line by, by assenting and accepting God's purpose and God's will for her life. Do you know what she was putting on the line? She was putting on the line her future and her family. That's what she was putting on the line. Because if she was found to be pregnant by a man who wasn't her husband, the likelihood is she would never be married. She wouldn't have a future. She'd end up living with her parents for the rest of her days. She'd end up dependent on someone else. She was putting her future at risk, her relationships at risk, her reputation was being completely put at risk by this. Not only her reputation, but there was going to be questions. There was going to be questions about Mary's morality, about her honesty, about her credibility. And based on this story, this incredibly unbelievable story, unbelievable story, I think there were also going to be questions about Mary's sanity. When she announced to her family, I'm pregnant and it's the Lord's doing. Oh, that's handy, Mary. That's very handy. I had one of them too, but the wheels fell off of Mary. That would be very useful, wouldn't it? What a great excuse. She put everything on the line by accepting, by assenting to God's will, accepting God's will for her life. You see, we have, when we look at this, we think, ah, that's a bit of a strange story, but I have to quote Matthew Henry, who said this. He said that no work of God must be incredible to us so, not, so long as no work of God is impossible to him. No work of God must be incredible to us so long as no work of God is impossible for him. So if something is not impossible for him, then we shouldn't be surprised that God does things and does amazing things even in our own lives and in our very day. Can I get an amen? amen. But you know, there's something else in this, and that is that the experience of Mary has been repeated millions and millions and millions of times since these events. Now, not literally, but in essence. Because since these events and since the coming of Jesus, millions of Christians who have become Christians 
have risked relationships and reputation. They've risked questions sometimes about their morality, about their credibility, about their credibility, and even about their honesty. Millions of Christians have basically been rejected or cast out by their culture, by their family, by society simply for becoming Christians. It's very easy to become a Christian in Ireland in that sense, but in most of the world, it isn't that easy to become a Christian. It's quite easy here. I mean, it's not against the law, but in so many countries of the world, it's actually against the law. And you literally put everything on the line by accepting God's purpose and plan and will for your life. But there's something in the middle of this. There's this word that's used in the middle of it all. And that, that's what brought me, really, what, what kind of got my attention as I was thinking about this, about how when Mary takes on this challenge, when she takes on this responsibility, she's risking everything. And yet in the middle of it all, when the angel appears to her, he says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He's with you. And you kind of go, hang on a minute. The Lord is with me. I'm poor, I'm unattached, I'm single, I'm young. Like, what? The Lord is with me? What do you mean with me? Well, it depends on what you mean by favor. And this is, this is a good definition, a definition of it. Favor, the tangible evidence that a person has the approval of God. Tangible evidence. Has that person got favor in their life? There would be tangible evidence that that person has the approval of God. I love this other one. It's a good definition as well. The demonstrated delight of God. It's demonstrated in someone's life that he is delighted with them. That he is delighting them. It will be demonstrated. Listen to Louise and Sinead. Louise spoiled Sinead this week because it was her birthday. Can you give me an awe? <laughs> he demonstrated his delight in his girlfriend. Isn't that lovely? Brothers and sisters, can I get an amen? Amen. Sisters, can I get an amen? Amen. Demonstrate your delight. Yes. Good for your relationships. Anyway, favor was a tangible evidence. But she, she said, greetings, favor woman. The Lord is with you. But you know, I can imagine she banged. She must have hit her head and thought, hang on a minute. What, what, what's going on here? Because like he, the, the angel appeared to Gideon in the book of Judges while Gideon was hiding. And he said, greetings, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Well, no, the Lord being with you can actually be a bit of a problem. Can't it sometimes? You take Joseph in the book of Genesis. It says time and time and time again in this story. So he's sold by his brothers into slavery. He then ends up serving in a house where he gets accused of rape. He gets stuck in jail and he's forgotten about in jail for somewhere between 7 and 14 years. And it keeps on saying, but the Lord was with Joseph. Oh yeah? Why am I in jail if the Lord is with me? And Mary could say the same. The Lord is with me. His favor is on me. But look at all the trouble that's about to come into my life. You see, I like seeing things in the scriptures like this, then they're going to be getting fed up with me, but I just love this perspective where you can go, oh, hang on a second, this person is the favor of God, hallelujah, give me your favor, Lord, and can I give me a amen to that? I want God's favor in my life. But sometimes favor itself comes with obstacles and challenges and resistances in our lives. We go, praise God, it's still God's favor. It still hasn't changed. His plans for us hasn't changed. His purposes for us haven't changed. And it's still God's favor. I like this guy. This guy is a guy called Bill Johnson. Um, I've read some of his stuff, not much but I've read some of his stuff, right? I, I like this quote when he said about favor. He said, he said, to have divine favor in your life means you will attract extraordinary opposition. Whoa. So Mary has the divine favor of God in her life. She's carrying the Son of God. And people are going, oh yeah. And she's getting the resistance. Her own fiancé, who was betrothed to be married to her, was planning to quietly... Get rid of Mary, as in divorce her on the QT, 
He didn't really want, he wasn't following the story initially until an angel appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him and said, no, this is God's doing. And then he accepted it. But before that point, he wasn't accepting the story. He needed God's confirmation. And so you see these situations where people want their, fa their favor of God in their life. I want the favor of God in my life. You want the favor of God in your life. I'm fairly certain whether you already know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter. You want the favor of God in your life. Trust me, you want God's favor. You want His demonstrated delight visible in your life. You want the tangible evidence that God is with you. When you do, when you do, it doesn't mean that everything's going to work out nice and easy and everything's going to be okay and we all live happily ever after. In actual fact, Mary herself began to experience some of the struggle and some of the pain when she brings Joseph or brings Jesus up to the temple with Joseph on the eighth day to be circumcised for the dedication. And when she goes up there, she meets a guy called Simeon. And Simeon was an old man who was waiting to see the Messiah. And God had promised him. God made him a promise. He said, You will not die until you have seen the Messiah. Said, wow, what a promise. And she bumps in. Simeon, which he does with God, arranges an appointment and they bump into each other in the temple. And this is what Simeon says to Mary. He says, wow, imagine you're holding the child and Simeon comes over. He's an old man. He's in his 80s. He's been waiting all his life. And he comes over and he looks at the child and he says, this child, and don't forget the accent, so, this child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts are revealed. <laughs> and he says to her, he looks Mary in the eye and he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary didn't realize what she was getting into, I think, because for all the promises, he was going to be the son of God. He was going to have to kill two of his ancestor David. She didn't see what was coming next, that he would be mistreated, misinterpreted, misunderstood, and ultimately murdered by his enemy. And the sword pierces her soul too. When what she thought would be the favor was the coming of the king. She had an Israelite view of the coming of the Messiah like everybody else did. She didn't see this coming. She didn't see this when it was coming into her life. But she still said, Lord, let your will, let what you said come to pass in my life. Because that's the best life. You see, we think that when we have favor in life, and I'm going to say this, very often in our lives we have favor and God blesses us, opens the door, we're able to begin a relationship, we're able to start a new job, we're able to move to a new place, buy a new house, buy a car, be able to provide for our family, and that is the blessing of God. Can I get an amen? And we think sometimes that God doesn't fail us. Because we go through trials and tribulations. And instead of a trial or a trouble being a flaw in your faith, the writer Peter, when he writes to the early Christians, he says, that's actually the trouble you're experiencing. That's proof that your faith is the real deal. Because God is at work in you. Here's what he says. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a while. He goes on to say this. These trials show what? That your faith is genuine. Your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So as the Christians who were going through trouble in the time when Peter was writing this letter, having their property seized and stolen, being sacked from their jobs, having extra tax taxes levied on them, and in some parts of the Roman Empire even being killed for their faith, Peter said, that's actually proof. Thank you, Peter. 
Don't pray for me anymore, Peter, if you don't mind. That was proof that your faith was genuine when you were going through this. They were praying and saying, Lord, I'm in this trouble. Get me out of this trouble. Please protect me. Watch over me and keep me. Because they were right in the middle of God's plan and God's purpose for them. Because that was the work that God was doing in their lives and in their lifetime and in their situation. Are you with me? So sometimes we have the favor of God in our life, but it doesn't mean jingle bells. Uh, I'm not saying jingle bells, Batman. Any more, but, uh, it doesn't mean jingle bells. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean all the, the fluff and, and the joy and the tinsel. No, sometimes it does. And by God's grace, we will know the favor of God blessing every year of our lives. Can we get a name to that? Because I certainly have experienced it. But it's also come with the difficulties and the trials that challenge. And you know, one of the ways that you can see, I think, quite demonstrably, the way that a blessing in our lives can be such a burden, an amazing blessing can be such a burden. Sometimes even the promise of God itself, the favor of God, can actually be really hard work. Let me give you an example. Perhaps, just a quick question. How many people here are parents in the room? Parents, will you put your hand up high so I can see it? The lights in my eyes. So I would say there are most 50% of the people here in this room, at least 50%, probably more, are actually parents. Those of you who aren't parents and haven't experienced this joy, he uses the word <laughs> advisedly. Who haven't experienced it may, may experience it in the future. So, so, so stay tuned to me for two seconds. So for most people, the news that your wife is pregnant or that you know, you're, you're, you're going to have a baby is it's good news. Most of the time, that's good news. I spoke to a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago and he walked up to me and he said, good news, he said, uh, he said we're pregnant. And they said, you're not pregnant, your wife is pregnant, isn't that right? He said, no, 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 he said, that's, that's how we define it now, we're pregnant. And I said, well, that's great, because the next time your wife crashes the car, you can say, we crashed the car. Yes. You said, no, 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 that's how it works. I said, yeah, that's how it works, if you get the we pregnant, lads, it is your wife who was pregnant. Can I get an amen from the lads? We do our hard part at the start, okay? We do the tough part. Now, my, work, my work here is finished, like Batman, I'm going to take off now or something. So it's exciting news for most of them. I certainly remember when we had the exciting news of, the, of, of our first son, um, when, when Elma became pregnant, when, when we became pregnant. It was just a wonderful joy. And the next nine months were just so exciting. It really was. We were delighted. It was a promise of God being fulfilled in our lives. What we thought in some senses would be denied us actually wasn't being denied us. God had a plan. He had a purpose. And he was walking around. Hallelujah. And next thing, our son was born. And it was like, ah, oh, wow. I saw him being born. It was a very easy process for me. Um, I saw the baby being born. I saw the baby being born. Held him in my arms. I was the first to hold him. He looked up at me in my face. He couldn't see a thing, of course. You know, they're kind of blind in the heart. But he could hear me going, thank you. And he was gorgeous. I mean, he really was. It was dark. And he was kind of broody eyes and this because I think he was still broody there. Uh, um, so it was beautiful. But, but then, then what happened is we, we, we took him home and actually we changed his nappy for the first time. The nurses, right, the, 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 the midwife said, okay, okay, dad, they'd refer to me as really <laughs> Okay, dad, are you going to change the first nappy? And I said, well, of course I am. I'm a man. <laughs> so I opened the first nappy. <laughs> I will never, it was a crime against humanity what that child did. I'm surprised the Environmental Protection Agency weren't called for that one nappy alone. It was appalling. It was appalling. And there then began a process of changing nappies. And I always enjoy, I just, I didn't, I never minded changing nappies except that first one. That first one's evil. That's an evil. That first one. But, uh, I didn't never mind the changing nappies, but there started a process of wiping noses 
and wiping faces and wiping other things and, and fastening seat belts and putting in safety cars and clipping in buggies and trying to take buggies apart. Why do they make buggies like that? They make buggies and you, you put them up and you go to put them down and they go. <laughs> you spend about half an hour trying to pay attention, that's just me. Um, so you're putting apart buggies, you're lifting in car seats, lifting out car seats, wiping noses, wiping faces, wiping backsides, wiping up the floor, wiping the table, making the special food, trying to get them to eat good stuff, not the bad stuff, only the good stuff. Late nights crying, sleep deprivation, pain, suffering, hassle, and the cost merciful over everything like cost a bank loan to buy. And that's only the first six to twelve months, twenty more years to come. Hallelujah. <laughs> And then, what sane human being would bring all of that upon their own lives? And then, we look at each other and go, Do you want to go again? <laughs> we go again. And then as if we weren't sadistic or masochistic enough, we go, Do you want to go again again? And we have three of them, it's, ah, it's nose is wiping. A child walked into me, forgive me, I'm just going to tell you this one small story. Inside the kitchen one day, one child is, is falling over, another one is spilling his Rice Krispies, and the third lad walks in, and his hands are covered in his own droppings. And he looks at me and says, Dad, poo poo. I said, What have you done? I swept him up, let him, let him to the loo, and as I walked up, he decided to spread the poo poo all over the hallway. Painting our world. What sane human being would put themselves through it? But do you know why we do it? We do it because we value children. We do it because it's the promise of God being fulfilled in our lives. And the late nights, and the cost, and the hassle, and the anxiety, and the prayer, and the worry, and everything is so, so worth it. I wouldn't trade a minute of it. Not a minute of it. Because it was the favor of God all over our lives, all through the whole process. And I'd recommend it. Would you recommend it, Sarah? Yes, she's on number three. God bless her. Keep her Keep Sarah in your prayers. So I'd ask you this. Mary goes through this whole experience. Me, my back of the palace. Mary goes through this whole experience. She's misunderstood. She's probably excluded. There's questions about her morality, her credibility, her honesty, her sanity. Would she trade one minute of her life to not have gone through all of that experience? Would Joseph, looking back from his deathbed, after his experience in the book of Genesis of being in prison, accused of rape, sold by his brothers into slavery, would he have traded one minute for a different purpose and a different plan for his life? I can tell you this, not on your many. Why? Because their lives were drenched and covered and blessed with the favor of God all over their lives. Do you want the favor of God on your life? Because I want it on my life. I want to see God's demonstrated delight evidenced in my life. It's a strange thing, you know, God changes your desires. It says he grants the desires of those who delight themselves in him. When you delight in him, he grants your prayers. It's a strange thing. And he changes your desires for what you want. And so after all of this, this exciting news, this trouble, this trial, this tribulation, this favor of God, Mary says this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Would you say that about your life? Yes. I am the Lord's servant. Lord, may everything you say about me and my life come true. Amen. 
Would you pray that? Would you say that? Would you have the guts to say it? Would you have the hope and the faith to say it? Because Mary saw it. She believed it. She received it. And prayed and expected that it would be. Do you believe it? Do you receive the promise of God today? Do you receive it? Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Will you expect it? Expect God's purposes and expect yes. God's plans. Expect God's blessing. Yes. Expect God's demonstrated favor. Yes. I used this verse last week. I used this verse last week, but I only used the first half of the verse. And it was about how God's promises come to us through Jesus Christ. So when you read the Old Testament, all the Old Testament promises that are made in there to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, they're all ours now because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, for no matter how many promises of God, God has made, they are yes in Christ. Because of what God has done, those promises for our life now become yes. There's a yet spoken over those promises for our lives. But there is the one part that we take part. And this is what Paul writes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us. The amen is spoken by us. And that's exactly what Mary did. When the angel said to her, this is the plan for your life, with all of its complications, with all of its trickiness, with all of its difficulties, this plan for your life, are you going to accept it? And Mary said, Amen. That's what she said. She said, Amen. Are you, do you want to say Amen to a promise in your life? Because I'll tell you what happened to Mary. Mary went from being an obscure person who was poor, young, and unattached to being probably the most famous woman in all of human history. That's what happened simply because she said, Amen. Let it happen to me just as you have said. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. I'm going to pray that God's favor will rest upon us. But I just want to come to this last one. The, the, the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 30. Now he was going through a bit of a struggle at the time. He was going through some trouble. But this is what he was able to say about the Lord. He said, his anger lasts only for a moment. But his favor lasts how long? A lifetime. It lasts for a lifetime. And I can tell you, I've been a Christian for 30 Nearly as many as John and Betty. John and Betty, I can't see it because the light's in my eyes. They've been Christian for 36 years this week. 36 years this week. It hasn't been all plain sailing, has it, lads? No. Has there been trial and trouble and difficulty? Yes. Have you known the grace and blessing of God all the way through it? Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Do you want to have a testimony like that when you've been a Christian for 36 years? Because I became a Christian around the same time, so they're there about the similar, similar time period. I want to be able to say, Lord, your favor has lasted a lifetime on my life. So we're going to pray because, you know, you may be struggling through something at the moment. You may be weeping. There may be something not going right in your life. And you may try to figure out, Lord, when, when, when is your favor? When am I going to see the clear evidence of your blessing? Well, don't worry. Sorrow only lasts for the night. God's joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. 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 Will you raise your hands with me? We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing. We're going to sing. I'm going to pull up my guitar here. Um, we're going to pray. Hallelujah. I want to pray this morning. You know, we wouldn't trade what God has given us. Can I give an amen to that? Amen. Let's just pray this morning. Would you raise your hands to heaven if you want to pray this? That we would see the demonstrated delight of God all over our lives. Amen. That we would see his approval and his favor all over our lives. That we would have eyes to see in the middle, maybe of our weeping today, that his joy is just ahead. If that's your prayer, Lord, we commit ourselves into your hands. Lord, we ask you 
Demonstrate your delight in us this coming season, Lord. Show it to us, Lord, and give us the opportunity to tell others about the favor and the goodness of God in our lives. Lord, let us give thanks. Let us give testimony for all that you have done in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen.